lead pastor for 14 weeks now, has done an absolutely powerful and absolutely awesome job at teaching the series Voices. It is my recommendation that each and every one of us go back and actually listen to each te teaching from lesson number one all the way up through lesson number 14. I believe it is incumbent upon us to go back and to listen to every teaching in the series. I'm not here this afternoon to attack anybody, to shame anybody, to blame anybody. I'm here to educate us to the end that there is transformation. I'm here to feed us with knowledge and with understanding. It is important that we know that when God speaks to us, he does not imply anything. God doesn't offer up suggestions. He doesn't offer an illusion or an inference. God gives commands. He gives instructions. He gives boundaries. He does not make suggestions. When we consider God's word, his word is our moral compass. His word is the blueprint. His word is the guide. It is the call to higher living. It's the standard. Because his word is our guide, it is not faulty, it is not difficult, and it is not grievous. The best counselor by far is God himself. I understand that there's safety in a multitude of counsel, but instead of looking for a person, a flawed piece of flesh, it's important that we consider God as our counselor. And throughout biblical history, he has proven that his counsel is sure. It's important that we pay attention to who we're listening to. Nobody, absolutely nobody, qualifies to give us counsel like God. And yet we are forever looking for a person. Point of emphasis, resisting Satan and his demons, giving them no place and exercising authority over them by our submission to Christ is crucial to our maturity in Christ and victorious living. Resisting Satan, not giving in to him and his demons, giving them no place and exercising authority over them by our submission to Christ is crucial to our maturity in Christ and victorious Christian living. The Bible is a book of boundaries. God has given us his word to protect us, and in that protection, he is giving us direction. He expects us to pay attention. God has given us the Bible to correct us. When we're not in alignment with his will, when we're not in step with him, when we're not in absolute harmonious agreement with God, he has given us his word to correct us. He's given us his word to perfect us, that is, mature us up, to grow us up, to solidify us in truth. So he gives us his word to protect us, thereby giving us direction. He has given us his word to correct us, and he has given us his word to perfect us. When we say yes to Jesus Christ, we are saying no to everything that is repulsive to God. This is to complement the teaching series, Voices. When we say yes to Jesus Christ, 
We are saying no to everything that insults God. Everything that would give place to the devil. We are saying no to everything that would trigger a fall or render us useless to the plan of God. When I say yes to Jesus, there are a whole lot of things I say no to. But what do you do? What do you do throughout the teaching series? Lead pastor has been talking to us about discerning what voice we are really listening to. What do you do when God says no? I just want to compliment what he has already taught us. Let's consider no from another angle, another perspective. What do you do when God says no? What do you do when God says if you're going to walk with me, if you're going to be in my family, God says, no, you cannot smoke weed. What do you do? The Bible does say if any man be in Christ, inclusive of the female man, the Bible speaks generically, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Nature changed all things, all habits, all behaviors, all thought patterns passed away. What do you do when God says you can't smoke weed? Everybody say no. no. Let's see what kind of class participation I'll get today. <laughs> what do you do when God says you cannot consume alcoholic beverages? God says no. What do you do when, when God says no, you cannot engage in and binge on pornography. What do you do when God says, no, you cannot shack up with him? That's not my plan. Oh, no. <laughs> what do you do when God says, no? What do you do when God says, marriage is my plan? Not shacking, not common law. But God's plan is, therefore shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, the two become one. And, and we realize purpose and we realize procreation. What do you do when God says no? You have to kick him out. You have to kick her out. Shacking is not my plan. Huh? What do you do when God says no to that lesbian, homosexual, transgender, bisexual, queer, Lifestyle. What do you do when God says no? And understand, it's not me, because I have to live by the same standard that God has presented to every breathing one of us in this room. What do you do when God says no? We change. We're converted. We come in, perhaps, lesbian, but we change. We come in, perhaps, homosexual, but we change. We come in, perhaps, transgender or bisexual or queer or on the down low, but God says no to that lifestyle, so we change. What do you do when God says, no, she's not your wife? What do you do when God says, no, you cannot keep your rose, your bullet, your sex toys? What do you do when God says no. Come to class today. I just got one shot, right? And I got to hit real hard. No, you cannot. No, you cannot prostitute or spin around on a stripper pole. What do you do when God says no? No, you cannot gamble. No, you cannot bar hop or Keep or use your hookah pipe. I asked my son, I said, where'd you get that from? 
He had that last week for an illustration. Let's just make sure you send that right back wherever you got that from. Because we don't hook up in here. What do you do when God says, no, Lizzo is not your example? What do you do when God says, no, I have a standard by which you are to live? At a time when so many celebrate sin and we idolize evil, what do you do when God says, abandon your fascination with Drake and all the devil's rappers? What do you do when God says no? Remember, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And understand, we can't play both sides of it. Because we're either in the kingdom of light or we're in the kingdom of darkness, but we cannot be in both. What do you do when God says no? And you're not hard of hearing either. What do you do when God says no to you following, worshiping, and imitating Beyonce? What do you do about this? How do we reconcile what our flesh wants to do and what God says no to? What do you do? What do you do when God says, I want you to hear me, not Jay-Z? What do you do? What voice are you listening to? What do you do when God says no? What do you do when God says no to you parading around like the Kardashians? <laughs> what do you do? What do you do when God says, I'm calling you out and I'm calling you higher? What do you do when God says no to Taylor Swift? She's not the one you follow. What do you do when God says, Rihanna is not the way? <laughs> Jesus says, I am the way. Who are you imitating? What voices are you listening to? What do you do when God says, no, no, no? What do you do? You get angry? You leave the local church? You say, I'm not going back? You say that we are not of God because we correct lifestyle? We have to ask ourselves questions today. What are you hearing? Who are you really listening to? Can we talk about it? Who really has your ear when we understand that whoever is whispering in your ear is really guiding your life? What are you hearing? What are you listening to? What attracts you? Who are you really following? And I know we came to church today, and many of us, we say we're following Christ. I beg to differ. Who's really guiding you? You see, it's in the lifestyle. It's not in what we said. It's how we live. It's who we really are behind closed doors, in the secret places of our minds. Who are we really worshiping? Who are we really rolling with? Where you end up in life is always proportional to the voice leading you. Wherever you end up in life. You see, we have no justifiable reason to be angry with God. Wherever we end up in life is proportional to the voice leading us. And so it is incumbent upon us to pay attention. Who's really leading me? Who am I really listening to? What voice am I really following? 
All through our biblical history, we have people God said no to. And I don't have time to go through every story. God told Balaam no. But he was so captivated by greed until he disobeyed the original instructions of God. God told Solomon, no, do not go into those women. He called them strange women. Don't you go into them and don't let them come into you. So powerful in that as Solomon is recording Proverbs, he talks about strange women, alien women, immoral women, and nothing brings a man down like a woman. Brothers cannot stand the boobs and the booty. <laughs> you have to come to class on Wednesday to understand that. But many boobs and booty brought some guys down. And Solomon could talk about it after having 1,000 women. God told the apostle Paul, no. And lead pastors already dealt with it. Pray three times and ask God to remove the thorn in his flesh. And God says to him, my grace is sufficient. God never removed the thorn. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's praying and asking God if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will be done. God's plan is, I need you to go all the way. And it was for the purpose of our redemption. Voices. Now, as lead pastor has taken us through one analogy after another, one scripture after another, and one chart after another, listen, we're only listening to God or Satan or it's us. We're hearing either the voice of God, God has a consistent, unchanging nature, and everything about God opposes the culture. He's the same yesterday and today and forevermore. So either I'm listening to the voice of God or I'm listening to the voice of Satan. And whenever he speaks, he lies. He's the father of lies. Everything he speaks opposes the culture. He's the very personification of evil. Or it's just me. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Some of this stuff we're saying, God said, no, God didn't say, you said. And then when the thing falls apart, now we're angry and we want to blame God, but God never said it. And a lot of stuff, listen, we want to blame on the devil. The devil didn't say it, it's you. Listen, whenever it's me, there is no word from God or the word that I do have is misinterpreted. When it's me, it's usually the lust of my flesh, it's the lust of my eyes, it's the, the pride of life. But there are only one or three, listen, voices. It's God, it's the devil, or it's me. And lead pastor has been ushering us into a place of knowledge wherein we're able to recognize this is God. This is not God. This is Satan. No, this is not Satan. It's me, you see. I want him or I want her, so I will convince myself that God has sanctioned the relationship, and he has not. But you see, we don't want to hear that part. We want to run with folk who will tell us what we want to hear at the expense of it costing us our lives. God wants us to know his voice and his character. 
so that we conform to his character, not the culture. God wants us very clear. And whenever he speaks, the Bible says that God's peace serves as the umpire to our soul. So when God said it, there's going to be peace in it. There's going to be power in it. There's going to be purpose in it. And when it's not God, all hell breaks loose. There will be turmoil. There will be great turbulence. Can I repeat? God, I'm going to repeat anyway. Y'all don't say nothing, but I'll repeat anyway. <laughs> God wants us to know his voice and his character. Pay attention so that we conform to his character, not the culture. Remember, God is consistent, he's unchanging, and he shows us his will, his way, his word, and it always opposes the culture. So if I am in step with the culture, I am not in step with God. It is not possible. The culture opposes God. And we do have to make a choice. The dominant way by which God speaks to his followers is through his written word. And so it's incumbent upon us to be people who study. Study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen needing not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why rightly dividing? Because I don't want to fall prey to a misinterpretation of the scripture. And God will never honor a misinterpretation of his word. Never. I'll give you some examples as we move forward. The dominant way by which he speaks is through his written word. Everybody in here, you ought to have a Bible, not on your coffee table, open up, right? Do you all remember those times? Did your grandma have one or your AT had one? Big old, usually it's a white Bible, it wasn't black. And you put it on the coffee table and you open it up like it's going to scare the devil, right? The Bible, the Word of God, all of us should have a hard copy, but more importantly, the Bible needs to be in our hearts. And why is it in my heart? Because I've been reading it. Why have I been reading it? Listen, because I want to understand it. Why do I want to understand it? Because I want to live it. The devil is not afraid of a paperback book. But a terror to him is a living epistle. Those of us, listen, we're saturated with the word of God and filled with the word of God. We proclaim it, listen, and we live it. It terrifies him. 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21, New Living Translation, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Those who wrote the Bible in the Old Testament wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's called God-breathed word. Verse 21, or human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. Our point of emphasis, the devil never agrees with God. Therefore, whatever he says, it's always a lie. Satan's strategy is to trip us up, to take us down, to destroy us. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He never agrees with God, and he can quote scripture, but he always has his spin on it. So do not be impressed with folk who can quote scripture. A whole lot of folk quoting a whole lot of scripture. Listen, they've got their own spin on it, but they don't live it. You see, the power is in the living, not the quoting. 
The devil is a liar. John 8, 44. For you are the children of your, of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. Can we make it relevant? You love the hookah pipe. You love bar hopping. Come on now. You love fornicating. <laughs> What's the matter? See, you love porn. Right? Notice the Bible says, and you love to do the evil things he does. God, you will never find what a hookah pipe. Why y'all looking like that? You're not going to ever find God in a place of darkness or in a place of sin. The devil, he was a murderer from the beginning. Don't y'all get up and try to leave now. <laughs> leave pastor, be back next week, but I got you now. <laughs> it's going to be all right in a minute. Calm down. I don't like the lady. I don't know why they got his mom, or got his mom up there. This is a good thing. <laughs> he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always, pay attention, hated the truth. So watch out for folk who hate the truth. He's always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. Listen, your best friend cannot be someone who hates the truth. When he lies, it is consistent, pay attention, He's the personification of evil, so when he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Pay attention to who's whispering in your ear. So lead pastor has mentioned the devil and his demons look for the isolated. Why does Satan want us isolated, detached from the local church, detached from life groups, detached from community, so he can give us counsel? There's no one to correct our thinking, to challenge our thinking. We're trapped in the carnality of our own minds, and so now Satan can just give us all the counsel he wants to give us, and nobody holds me accountable, nobody checks me, nobody calls me on the carpet because I'm isolated. That's where he wants you. It's one of his major strategies. He wants the ignorant. What do you mean, ignorant? Those who have not been brought into the knowledge of truth. You just don't know. And that's a dangerous place to be in when I have no knowledge of the expectations of God. The devil wants the ignorant, the unlearned, the uneducated. Proverbs calls these kinds of folks simple-minded people. Then he looks for the immature. Listen, those who are still vacillating back and forth, those who are still on milk and cannot handle meat, cannot handle strong teaching, hard teaching, solid teaching, he wants the immature. And then he wants the injured. Whether there is a perceived injury or there was an actual occurrence. Some injuries, listen, it's all by perception. It's not that anybody did anything to you. You're just the weak-willed person, the faint-hearted person. You wear your feelings on your shoulders, right? Easily offended, very sensitive. Oh, they hurt me. Nobody did anything to you. And you all know folk like that. 
Can't say nothing to them. Got to walk around on eggshells, you know. You got to pet them. You got to coddle them. And coddling always cripples. First Peter 5, 6 through 8, God has really led us through this passage. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Don't you dare think you all that. Don't you dare think that you've arrived and nobody can teach you. Nobody can correct you, hold you accountable, right? Don't you dare think that you're more educated in Scripture than anybody else. I know more than all my teachers. Prime candidate for a fall. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You see, God will promote in his own time, right? Casting all of your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Then the Bible says, be sober. <laughs> so you can't be drunk now. You can't be high. Y'all just, y'all look at me. Let me see your eyeballs. Make sure you're not glassed all over, right? You can't be sitting up in church high. I share with 10 o'clock service. I'm in the courtroom on Friday, and, and we had to go through security, and they, they're examining everything, and they're going through my purse. What do you think you're going to find in there? Searching all through my bags, making sure that I did not bring anything in the courtroom that they told me not to bring. Where are you going with this? Listen, when I come into the family of God, there's some things you can't bring with you. So if we did a shakedown, how many of the professed followers of Christ came in with weed? <laughs> what you got in your purse? The court said, don't bring it in here. Now, and there's a higher authority speaking to us, don't bring that in here. So, listen, you did that when you were consumed by the culture, fashioned by the culture, when you were a child of the devil. But when you join the family of God, you can't bring that in here. So what do you do when God says no? You have to make a choice. Do I want God or the hooker? Do I want God or do I want sex outside of marriage? I get in trouble every time I say this, sex is for married folk. Yeah. Well, you know I'm grown, you know I call the shots. See, I do what I want to do with my body. Not if you're born again, your body is not your own. Yeah. Sex is for married people, caveat, mature people. Because it carries with it tremendous responsibility. Sex is more than a feeling. You, you, but, but can you just back out of there because she ain't going to give me none after church if you don't stop. <laughs> now, you all laugh. But do you know people come in with that intention of leaving and doing the same thing? See, that's why I don't like her. Every time I see her come up there, I get mad. <laughs> I, listen, it, it, it doesn't matter. I hope she never gives you another taste. she finds out who God created her to be and when she comes to know her value when she comes to know that she's more than that <laughs> you won't get another drop there's <laughs> something wrong with that lady there's something wrong with her be sober serious minded Free from any degree 
of intoxication. Do you see it in the book? Be vigilant, that is alert, watchful, on your guard, attentive, aware. Why, people? Because your adversary, you do have an enemy. He is not your friend. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. The original King James Version says, as a roaring lion, he's looking for the weak link, right? Seeking whom he may take down. The word devour is take down. So could we do this? Could we, instead of blocking God, why don't you block them, block him, block her, block the devil by your submission to Christ? Don't block God. Why don't you block him? Or unfriend him? Or her? Somebody said, already did. I know that's right. James 4, 7. Therefore, if you say, I love God, pastor. I want God, pastor. I don't want the streets. I don't want the hookah. I don't want the weed. I don't want the wine. I don't want the whiskey. I don't want the sin. I want Jesus the Christ. If you're saying yes to him, therefore, submit to God. Hapatasso. It means come all the way up under the authority of God. Give your life completely over to him. Notice, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But he's under no obligation to flee when you're in bed with him. Can y'all see it? God sees us, and he wants us to see him. So here we go. Sometimes we feel we... <laughs> Look, really, y'all shouldn't get up and walk out on me because you just, I mean, you just label yourself, right? Sometimes we can feel... We can feel we cannot come to God until we get our lives in order or make ourselves presentable. On the contrary, we cannot get ourselves together, get our lives in order, make our lives presentable without Christ. You see, we need God to do this. We need God to break free from all those chains. And I want you all to understand this more than us talking about, Pastor, tell us how to break all of these Generational curses. No, we need to deal with generational choices. See, we we misinterpret. We misinterpret what's going on in our families. Could it be that everybody in the family is just making the same old choices? Ain't nobody putting no curse on you. Right? Everybody in your family is at the hookah bar. (laughs) Everybody's strung out on weed. Right? Everybody decides that shacking is a better way to do it, right? Everybody in your family strung out on crack or porn. Could it be our choices? So lead pastor talked about this. Satan's goal is to keep us trapped in a vicious cycle of same. Same addictions. It's all in the family. Same thought patterns. All in the family. Oh, I'm really getting in trouble. Same associates. In the family. Same attitude. Everybody in the family got a funk about them. They got an attitude. All the sisters got an attitude. All of them will uh, tear you off, cuss you out. Same, same error. All believing, listen, a misinterpretation of the truth. Oh, I'm getting ready to get in trouble. So, somebody said, do it. So, they, gave me, they gave me permission. So, no, no, I'm just giving, just giving you an example, something that you can see. So, so, and I'll use our family. So, everybody, Lord, I'm in trouble. Everybody, this is on my husband's side of the family. 
It, look, he's the one talking me to say it. So everybody on his side of the family, seriously, they are morbidly obese. That ain't no generational curse. They, they all like to eat the same stuff. Now y'all just come to class. It's not a curse on his family. He and I, stand up, babe. Just stand up so they can take a good look at you. Stand up. Now. Now, now he is slipped. He decided, I ain't going to be like that. Amen. Different choice, same family. Amen. Now, if I could use this, his, his biological dad was an alcoholic. So he decided, I ain't going to be like that. So I want you to take a good look instead of running around sounding real spiritual, real spooky, but you just as off as you can be. Say, you know, they got a curse, your generation curse, we got to break this curse. No, let's change our choices. Yeah. It's just the same choice. Everybody wants hog mogs and chitlins. <laughs> what is that? Everybody wants to eat the baked potato with the sour cream and the cheese and the bacon, right, and all that chopped beef. All right, let me get out of there because y'all already mad at me. <laughs> it's the same choices. Same era, same evil activities, same conversations, same arrogance, just the same, same, same. And when you start growing, you take a look back and you say, y'all in the same place. You're talking about the same thing. You got the same associates, right? The same behavior, the same attitude. You're still doing the same. But when I grow, I'm able to identify, listen, that's not who I am. Now, remember, I have a used to story. I used to do that, but now I stand out, listen, not to judge anybody, but to be an example to you that better is possible. God knows, pay attention so that the devil does not try to put guilt, shame, and condemnation on you. God knows the worst about us, and yet he has made choice of us. I say it again as I refer to this courtroom experience. Everybody in the courtroom, we're, we're there. It's a murder trial, right? Prosecuting attorney wants a guilty verdict. Defending attorney wants this young man declared innocent, right? But I'm sitting there, and from where I sit, everybody's a criminal. The judge is a criminal. Prosecuting attorney is a criminal. Defending attorney is a criminal. Bailiff, a, a criminal. All of those of us who are there to be jurors, we are all criminals. Why? We came here criminals. We were born criminals because we sinned against God. We broke God's law. Everybody in this room, we all criminals. Uh, uh, now, Rishi gone too far. Who you calling a criminal? We have sinned against God. We have broken the laws of God, and it makes us criminals. That's why Jesus Christ had to come to redeem us. And that's why none of us can stick our chest out and point our finger at anybody. Because we all came here criminals, not because of what we did, but because of our daddy Adam. We were in the loins of Adam, right? And when he sinned against God, when he transgressed God's law, he transgressed for all of us. Romans 8, 1. Is she nearly about through? <laughs> y'all don't say nothing when lead pastors up here teaching, so y'all just, just be calm. <laughs> there is, therefore, now, now I'm talking about those of us who are repented and we are in Christ Jesus. We've been sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is, therefore, now. Everybody say, now. 
You see, now that I am in Christ, there is no condemnation to those of us who are really walking in step with him, who are in absolute harmonious agreement with him. There's no condemnation. We do not walk after the hook of, excuse me, we don't walk according to the flesh. Can you see it? We don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So how would the flesh lead me? Bar hopping, hook a bar, shacking and fornicating and lying. and get, That's the way the flesh would lead. I'm not led by the flesh, I'm led by the spirit. And so now in Christ, there's no condemnation. Point of emphasis, God has declared us innocent, guiltless, and blameless, and shameless when we turn to Christ and choose to be obsessed with holiness, not obsessed with sin. It is my prayer today that some of you all will be so angry with me when you leave here that you will hear my voice all day long, all week long, all night long. And someone on the inside arises and the Holy Spirit says, that's enough, right? We don't do this anymore. Tell them, get up and get out of here. Y'all hear what I say? Get up and get out. Go get your toothbrush. Pack up all your clothes. Give me my key back. Get out of here. Uh, and you know what? This is the sad part. Most of the times, can we, y'all, I'm already up here, so. All right. Most of the time, most of the time is him moving in with her. You know, it's sad. Sometimes, listen, she'll let him move in. He ain't got a job. Not Job, job. He does not have a job. Many times, he ain't even got an automobile. Woo-wee. Even the bed, I mean, he didn't bring nothing in. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to, he only brought one thing up in there. <laughs> All right, let me get back up in, let me get back up. This, this, this ain't no woman's conference. <laughs> Proverbs is sure to tell us it's the women that's bringing the brother down. And Paul little thing, he don't, even, he don't have enough sense to know it. <laughs> Bible says he's just like an ox going to the slaughter. Y'all should see the people upset with me. Got to say it, right? Listen, listen, you know what's amazing to me? You can go to a Beyonce concert or go to a game and something happens that you don't like and you don't get up and walk out. All right, let me get back. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, now we're talking to the church, be strong. Listen, you can't do it in the energy of your flesh. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So I'm relying upon God's ability, not mine. Put on the whole armor, the whole armor of God. Understand, you all stop standing in the mirror and say, I'm putting on the, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation, and I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness, and my loins are girded by with truth, right? I got my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This, this Bible is not telling you to get in the mirror and try to do none of that. And you got to put this stuff on every day, right? It is an, an analogy to reveal to us a spiritual principle, and it's talking about totality of submission. So in every area of my life, 
I am saturated with the word of God. It is speaking to total submission to Christ. So every morning you get up in the mirror, you got to put on the, the helmet of salvation, right? You got to put on the breastplate of righteousness, right? You got to put your loins are girded about with truth. And, then, and, and the loins don't stay on too long girded about with truth because there you are fornicating again. <laughs> what, what's that about? This Bible is put on the whole armor of God. That's total submission to Christ. Now that you may be able to stand against the wiles, that is the methodia, the strategy, right? The schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Nothing pierces through the darkness like obedience to God. This passage is saying, listen, the only way you're going to be able to stand up against the evil one is based upon your total submission to Christ. The devil seeks to ensnare us with strange spirits, strange doctrines, come on, strange activities. Now, I'm already in trouble. I'm going to stretch it now. Strange spirits, alien spirits, foreign spirits. I mean, we're, ta we're tapping into all kinds of evil stuff, right? So you don't have any business participating in witchcraft and sorcery. Right? And, and listen, people say, okay, you, you, you born in November. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pastor now. You born in November, pastor, you Scorpio, no. No, I'm not. What, what, are, you, what are you all doing? I'm Leo, right? I'm Taurus. What is, is it Aries? I don't even know all of them now. You read your horoscope daily, and the devil, familiar spirits, will accommodate you. You ain't got no business being led by that voice. Because that's not the voice of God, right? I'm a child of God. I'm covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ all day long, right? And my life is hidden in Christ in God. I'm not my own. So I'm just, no, I ain't Scorpio nothing. Who put that together? Who, who put that profile together? How many of y'all running around based upon your horoscope? Now, I know you ain't going to raise your hands. I ain't going to raise my hands. Got mom up there? Uh-uh. <laughs> Strange doctrines, it's called the spirit of error, doctrine of devils, strange activities, right? So now we got all these fraternities and all these sororities and all these secret organizations. I, 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 I figured I was going to be, I'm already in trouble, right? So understand this, we're bringing this together. God speaks to us in his word so as to direct us toward a lifestyle of godliness. When God speaks, his word goes against the culture. So God speaks to protect us from making choices that we will spend the rest of our lives, number one, trying to recover from. You don't want to do it. Listen, you young people, you don't have to make those choices that in your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, if you live that long, you'll be trying to recover still. And if you'll heed the voice of wisdom, just don't make that choice because there are built-in consequences. Listen, we don't want to spend the rest of our lives filled with regret over. Gosh, and I promise you, you know, in your 60s and your 70s, you're like, what was I thinking? Why did I go that route? Why did I do that? But you can heed the voice of God today. We'll spend the rest of our lives refusing, resisting the rehearsal, the torment. Some of us, you can relate to choices that you've already made, and it's like, Okay, God brought me out of it, and boy, the torment of it, God. Trying to keep from rehearsing it, Pastor. I try to resist rehearsing it. 
But that doesn't have to happen if I never make that choice or follow that voice. And then there's this spending the rest of my life daily striving to rise above the residue, the pain of what happened. Yes, God has forgiven us. But remember, Satan's never going to let us forget it. Our point of emphasis, we'll never experience the freedom of Christ, that freedom that he extends to us as long as we feel the need to please people, impress people, compete with people, be ruled by the opinions of people. You're most free, listen, when it doesn't matter to you the opinions of folk, right? And you're not trying to compete with nobody, compare yourself to nobody, you see. Because when God created you, you understand this, God does all things well. He created a masterpiece. So the culture questions the relevancy of the church. Why? Because many who profess to be followers of Christ are moving in the same direction as the unsaved. So people who come to church doing the same thing the sinner's doing. You see. Lead pastor said, when we're washed, we wash, Right? Understand this, when we forgive, when we're forgiven, we forgive. But it doesn't mean, and even, even when people have violated the trust factor, we've forgiven them, it does not mean that I'll ever trust you again. Because forgiveness does not mean I trust you. It just simply means that I've released the offender. You know, now is the time for us to really get this right and be real. You see... If you're going to come to church, be real about it. Be all into it. Listen, be that person who says, I'm here because I really want God. Not because I'm just showing up, right? Maybe to take a selfie, socialize, right? No, I want God. What does God say concerning my life, concerning me? Ephesians 4, 21 through 23. If you have really heard his voice and learned from him, the truths concerning him. This is what we do. Then throw off, if you really heard his voice, God's voice, right? Then throw off your old evil nature. The old you that was a partner in evil ways, rotten, <laughs> Bob's rotten through and through, full of lust and shame. Verse 23, now your attitudes and your thoughts must all be completely changing for the better. So Jesus always provides for us the principle and the pattern. And this is what you look for. The principle is the standard by which the followers of Christ live. It is the code of Christian conduct. See, this is why the world thinks the church is a joke. Because when the, when the world considers those folk who say, yeah, I'm born again, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, uh, give me another hit of that. The world looks at the church like y'all a joke. Because y'all doing the same stuff we doing. Where's the difference here? When I'm born again, listen, every sinner knows that I've been saved, that I've been washed, that I'm a child of God, because we ain't doing the same stuff. I look for the code of conduct. That's the principle. And then Jesus gives us the pattern. That's the model that he wants us to imitate. So we ask, who are you listening to? Who's guiding you? What's the pattern? What are you following? You see, when we recognize I am one with him, he has already given me the pattern, the model that I am to imitate. 
Y'all good? He's given me the principle. The church is called to imitate Christ, not the culture. So I'm going to give us some points, and then I'm going to stop, because you all know whenever I get up here, I always, you know, I have more than what I share, right? Right? I just want you to be through, right? Let me give you some points, and then um, we'll close it out, because we've got to take communion. I, I do want us to hear this, that God's word, when God is speaking to us, God corrects our thinking. So I can't keep thinking evil thinking. God purifies our thinking. So now I let that mind that was in Christ Jesus be also in me. It's a mind of humility and a mind of obedience. God organizes my thinking. There's a decluttering going on. He elevates my thinking. He disciplines my thinking, directs my thinking, protects my thinking. Points to consider. The condition of our thoughts is proportional to what we hear, what we accept as truth, and what we choose to think. It is my mental conditioning that is proportional to what I'm hearing. See, if my mind is all jacked up, Satan is just, listen, he is making an amusement park out of my mind, a circus out of my mind. That's why the Bible says that this is how we're changed by the renewing of our minds. Points to consider, we must refuse to celebrate thoughts that promote evil thinking. Refuse to celebrate thoughts that promote evil thinking. Thoughts that produce evil feelings. Our thinking must be transformed if we're to live a transformed life. The condition of our thoughts determine our ability to discern the voice of God. Everybody wants to hear yes, yes, yes. Yes, I got the promotion. Yes, I got the raise. Yes, I got the house. Yes, the loan was approved. Yes, she'll marry me, right? Yes, listen, I'm cancer-free. Yes, but God does not always promise us yes. What do you do when God says no? A scripture I want you all to focus on that I hope will help us. God does not give us the desires of our heart. Oh, no, I read he gave me the desires of my heart. No, you have your interpretation. What God does is he gives us the desires of his heart. And he puts his desires in our hearts so that we will desire what he wants. God could not trust our desires. And we had better not trust some of these desires that folk have, right? So let's close it. Pastor, what do we do when God says no? You trust the one who said no. You trust him based upon his character and his integrity, his track record. He's not a man that he should lie. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in him. Trust the one who said no. Just trust God. He's wiser than we are. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You know the scripture, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's your soul. And lean not to your own understanding. Can you see it? In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. What do you do when God says no? Delight in the Lord and commit your life to him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to delight in him. It's Psalms 37, 3 through 5. Trust in the Lord and do what? Do good. That that has an eternal beneficial end. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. 
Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires. He will give you your heart's desires. Remember the interpretation. He will give you the desires of his heart that you desire. That's what he's bringing to pass. And I can give you scripture after scripture to show you that the heart of man is deceitful. It is desperately wicked. Who can know it? God said, your heart is so evil and so wicked, there's no way I trust it. It's all throughout scripture. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. What do you do when God says no? Just obey God. Just obey God. You know when God says he's not for you, she's not for you. God has already told you that. You got the witness, right? But you're trying to hold on to something that's going to destroy you. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. When God says no, let's just trust him. Boy, I stirred up a heart's nest in here, boy, because I see some of y'all kicking these people out of your house, right? You ain't married to them. Y'all see how quiet it is? All over the building, just shacking all over the place. <laughs> Listen, I know you're under conviction, not condemnation. Under conviction, why? Because that's not right. God said no, it won't work. Ooh, Lord have mercy. You see, it's not you that he wants. Because if he wanted you, he would not disgrace you that way. <laughs> I'm not going to tell y'all what he wants. <laughs> John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll do what? In other words, if you love me, you'll obey me. Not your flesh, you'll obey me, right? What do you do? You give God thanks. When God says no, you give him thanks. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God knows what's best for us. And if he says no, oh, he's got a greater plan. Recognize that God is greater. Can we do it? He's greater and know that his grace is sufficient. Right? He's greater and his grace is sufficient. If God says no, there's a reason and there's a blessing in his no, not a curse. It's always to bring us to the highest degree of growth and development. He's all about elevating our lives. Satan is always about catapena. He's about devouring, taking down. And if we hear the voice of God, we'll see one elevation after the other. If we follow the voice of Satan or the voice of the flesh, we're always going down, right? And the recovery process, listen, it's horrific. And understand, just take this from pastor, right? You'll spend the rest of your life trying to recover. Don't let him take you down, amen? I said that everybody in the church perhaps is not a follower of Christ. But we can become followers of Christ. The challenge here is, do you want to be? Do you want to do it God's way? Do you want to be born again? Do you want to be a follower of Christ? Do you want to be in the family of God? God has given us a plan. He says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. When we're born again, when we're, when we're saved, our nature, the inner me, the very essence of me comes alive to God. My body's the same. I'm still encased in a body of sin. But on the inside, I'm sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, he starts organizing and directing and he empowers us to live the life that God called us to live. The question is, do you really want to be born again? Hell has to be horrific. 
Some of you have seen the passion of the Christ, right? That pales in comparison to what really happened to the Christ because Isaiah said that Jesus was so mutilated, so marred, so beaten until he was not even recognizable as a man. Hell has to be a, a horrible place for Jesus to suffer the type of pain and agony, humiliation, mutilating that he suffered. And he did it for you and he did it for me. Before we were conceived, he saw us. And he knew, listen, we could never, ever come up to him. So he said, prepare me a body. The Bible says he came in the volume of the book to do God's will. What was that about? He gave his life full atonement, ransom for me and for you so that we would never go to hell. He fixed it so that we'd never go to hell. And why would you want to go to a place that was never created for you? Because hell was created for the devil and his demons. But all those who reject Christ and follow the voice of Satan will end up there. You don't have to go there. And don't you dare think, well, you know, I've got time. Oh, I beg to differ, right? Because you don't have to be sick and you don't have to be old to leave here. But I want you to understand this. When you do leave here, you want to be ready. God doesn't send us to hell. We choose to go there when we reject his voice. That's why voices, it's critical. Go back and listen to every lesson. He sends no one to hell, but when we reject his voice, his instructions, we choose hell. I'd like to believe that I'm in the company of people who want heaven as their eternal home. You could have gotten up and walked out because I'm not walking softly and I'm not playing games. I really want to save your life. And understand, I've lived over half of my life. My husband and I have. We've, we've made our share of mistakes. We know the pain of being in recovery. We know the pain of unwise choices. And now we're pleading with you and we're begging for your souls that you'll give your life to Christ and stop playing. The high is not worth it. The climax is not worth it. Nothing is worth you going to hell, right? And if God says no, let it go because he has better in store for you. The pastor seemed like it's just hard, though he's given you grace. He's given you divine enablement to do what would otherwise be humanly impossible because none of us could live the Christian life without the empowerment of God. Oh, but he has fixed it so that you can do this. Do you want to do it? Can you all stand to your feet, please? I want you all to remember something as you leave here. Remember, the devil wants you to feel like trash, like scum his job we read the scripture there's no condemnation to us who are in Christ Jesus God brings conviction why because he wants change he doesn't bring condemnation he doesn't bring guilt or shame right but we have to be willing to say God I've been doing it my way for a long time and I've been following the culture for a long time whether Beyonce or Lizzo, right, or the Kardashians, or Taylor Swift, right, or Drake, and all the rappers who are so vulgar. But today, God, enough. I recognize that tomorrow is not promised to me. And one day, I'm going to take my last breath in time. When I do that, the next breath I take, God, I want it to be an eternity.
I want it to be in heaven. But the choice is yours. If you never see my face again, you have this opportunity from your heart to get it right with God. And it may be the last time. Everybody, listen, remember, we all came here criminals. We all came here sinners because Adam sinned. And we were in the loins of Adam. So when he sinned, the Bible says, and Adam all died. He killed all of us. And so since our daddy, Adam, killed us, he made a choice for us to go against God. Jesus has given his life so that we can get back to God. He's called the second Adam, right? So since we all came here criminals, we all came here sinners, we all need a savior. When I'm born again, God helps me to live a life that honors him. So we all need to pray this prayer together. And even if you say, like me and Elder, we've been saved for years. You say the prayer over and over and over and over again. Let's say it together. Dear God, I came here a sinner. I need a Savior. On today, I hear your voice calling me. I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, save me, forgive me for every sin, wash me so that I'm clean, change my desires, help me to live a life that honors you. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you were conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. You suffered under Pilate. You were crucified, died, and buried. On the third day, you got up out of the grave. You're seated on the right-hand side of God the Father. There, you're praying for me. And one day, you're coming back for me. I want to be ready. So today, I renounce any and every way by which Satan would claim ownership of me. Today, I accept the blood. Come on, I'm washed in the blood. I'm cleansed by the blood. And so now, I'm innocent, guiltless, and blameless. Thank you for saving me. Come on, thank you, God, for saving me.